Welcome to the fourth episode of Millennial Pagan Podcast, the podcast that's quickly becoming a voice to the growing number of millennial pagans and our brand of witchcraft, magic, practice, and worship. We are your hosts, Autumn Wolf and Jarrah Stone. How you doing, Autumn? I'm doing pretty good. How about you? I've been doing pretty good. I got a been pretty active lately. Yeah. Yeah. I just got back from uh, Phoenix Comic Fest. Right. Which was amazing. Oh, good. Yeah. And you did a couple of cosplays, which went over well, I hear. Yep. And my feet are still killing me. I believe it. Well, <laughs> I have some pleasant news myself. I got a promotion Ooh. that also involved a raise and much better days off. Nice. Well, yeah. congratulations. Thank you. So today's episode, we're going to be discussing a topic that's recently been on the lips of major names in paganism and in cult news, the teacher-student relationship. Today, we're going to be talking about the recent drama, previous issues, and how to avoid them. But first, I want to let our listeners know that some of this content is going to be triggering to some people. We are going to be talking about some abuses that teachers do commit, um, stories about teachers and other active members of the pagan community um, committing such abuses, very similar to, of course, other abuses in different churches, as well as other communities. So if that that doesn't sound great to you, uh, go ahead and skip this episode. Do realize I am a criminologist. I'm very desensitized to this sort of thing. And I had to stop halfway through my research yesterday when I was just wrapping up because I couldn't reread something. I just It was too heavy for me. So, I mean, if you're a very sensitive person with that kind of thing, Maybe skip this one. Yeah, we we do understand that uh, this this can be triggering for some people, and we don't want to um, we don't want to we don't want to trigger anybody when it comes to this type of stuff. So we understand if if you guys decide to skip this one, just know that we'll be back with a little bit more of a lighthearted show uh, the next uh, episode. Yes, our next episode will be much lighter. Uh, just to give a little bit more of a caveat, we're going to be not discussing uh, the victims' names. We're just going to be talking about teachers and certain types of abuse. The point of this episode isn't just to highlight the negative. It's to give a little bit of a warning to new students and the teachers about what could go wrong and why. Yeah. So I guess we'll start with the most recent things that's been going on. Um, the one that started kind of this whole discussion in um, the Pagan verse recently has been the issue with Jessica Matthews or Yeesh or Yiddish Rabbit. She was the high priestess of the Come As You Are Coven or Pagan Congregation. Uh, it is considered a matriarchal, electic, in interfaith congregation, and it's located in San Francisco. Uh, she was also at one point working for the Wild Hunt News, which is the major pagan news outlet out there. And so a lot of people started kind of coming out and saying that she was abusing her power. Um, how she was abusing it a lot of the times was described as emotional, physical, some sexual abuse, and a lot of transphobia. 
And um, so a lot of people were coming out as students, former students, and other members of the Come As You Are coven and saying, this is what's happening to me. The coven itself had an established way of handling this in an internal investigation. A lot of her victims are claiming that the way that she was originally investigated the first time these allegations came about was very, how you put it, um... It, it, it wasn't uh, wasn't right like it, it wasn't in depth enough uh well it was very partial to her ah. she was she's she was the priestess for a very long time and a lot of people were definitely on her side um from the way it was described in a couple of different things i read a couple of different victim statements that she groomed people very well um i actually read from a couple of people that said if you weren't with her, you were against her, and she would make a lot of negative plights against you. Hmm. Um, a couple of big names have come forward and were like, yeah, this is, this actually happened, and it happened to me. So uh, That's just that's just unbelievable that it would happen, that, that, that something like this would happen in, in, in any community. This is actually kind of tamed compared to what I yeah. read. Oh, really? <laughs> Which is really sad. So during the investigation, one of the reasons this became a big issue is because Jessica resigned while under investigation. And that caused the coven to put her in not good standing. She also left the San Francisco Bay Area. And a lot of people kind of either took the two sides. It drew a pretty big line in the sand because she's still teaching. She's still showing up to events and things, but a lot of people don't know whose side to be on. Right. Um, actually, if uh, in our show notes, you'll have the article there that the Wild Hunt posted. They specifically said that they had somebody come in and read what they posted to make sure that it was impartial. But to me, there was no victim statements. It was very loose on actual facts. Mm -hmm. And it did sound very partial. I mean, it's hard to say, hey, this person who used to work with us and left us in good standing is now obviously a predator or an abuser when they don't have it all because they're not in that specific coven. But at the same time, victims have come forward and said that we told the wild hunt X, Y, and Z, and they used none of it. Mm -hmm. And they didn't even use all the facts that they could have. So, so it was very, very biased to, to serve her agenda. I wouldn't say very, very biased. The first time I read it, I didn't read anything wrong. But that was my first just quick glance at it on and not doing any real research into it. Right. A lot of the ways that people who were Jessica's victims describe the way that she handled things was if you were accomplishing something, when somebody published a book who was one of her students, she's like, oh, well, you, you did that good deed through my light because I influenced you. That's why you're successful. So she was taking credit for, for other so. people's accomplishments. Yes, very much so. And um, she would also say, you need my blessing on this project. So um, one person who wrote a book that was specifically supposed to be for men of paganism um, said that she pretty much forced her way into his foreword saying, well, you need a woman's blessing on this if it's going to be pagan. Wow. That's, yep. I'm, I'm kind of flabbergasted at that. I am too. Uh, but I mean, it kind of shows she left the San Francisco Bay area. I mean, I think mm -hmm. she, she knows who's right and who's wrong. And I think the victims do too. 
Um, but this was one of the first in this year, I'd say maybe scandals. Yeah. Yeah. That's Almost a, a scandal. Yeah. That, that would be a very appropriate word for it. But yeah, there's not a whole lot of facts at, uh, other than obviously that's a lot of emotional abuse right there. Kind of inserting yourself in that person's life and saying that all your positive things are because I'm involved. But I did not read a whole lot of the physical. I guess she would be very pushy probably mm-hmm. or um, aggressive. I know a lot of people who would will like do the smack as joking, but kind of it, it makes people think and speak in specific ways in that person's presence. Right. I do not know what the sexual abuse entails. We'll talk more about people who have been found to do sexual abuses upon students and teachers. And um, so we'll kind of look at what kind of sexual abuses do happen in the pagan community, but I don't know what specifically she did. Right. The transphobia is actually quite obvious, though. A group that is in the San Francisco Bay Area that specifically talks about and hosts space for the LGBT community pegging community mm-hmm. um at first a few years ago posted an article saying we believe that rabbit is definitely a ally and we haven't heard any of these disparaging comments that people are saying she made and then after this big scandal hit they changed their statement saying in light of victim statements we're gonna have to re- react what we said before yeah we would need to resend it resend it yeah yeah just I mean, and that's that's kind of sad because, I mean, the the I mean, we have a couple of a uh, couple of people that mm-hmm. we know that that are uh, that are trans that are L- LGBTQ in our community out mm-hmm. here in Arizona, and for a lot of them, it's uh, it's it's a huge safe haven, and to have somebody mm-hmm. of massive influence like that be phobic to anything like that is not. It, it, it's not something that should happen. Well, that's not the first time. Well, yeah. I think it was two years ago, Z Budapest was hosting a ritual, a woman's ritual at PantheaCon, and she turned around and her group said, okay, this woman's ritual is for real women, and meaning that anyone who was trans from male to female wasn't invited in that space it wasn't invited in any of their female only spaces actually wow and it became a big deal people were turning around who were dear friends of her and saying whoa that's not what we're okay with yeah and so it became a big scandal she turned around and she did make an apology saying maybe i should have made that more known before PantheaCon not just at PantheaCon, but I thought people knew that was my feelings. Yeah, that that's something that I mean, if if you're going to create an event or so, something like that, a gathering that does entail that type of thing. I mean, kind of like what we were talking about uh, uh, last uh, during the last episode about um, about getting the information out there as mm. to what what's going to be involved. I think that that's something that uh, that should happen in in every community. I agree. Because, I mean, if this person was of, of that mindset but doesn't let that know and something like that happens, yeah, that that's what creates scandals. Mm-hmm. That, that was fun. Yeah. So the other one that just recently cleared up was with Storm Fairy Wolf. And um, on May 8th, he made a statement that he was aware that somebody was accusing him of sexual misconduct. And I'll 
be flat out. I am friends with Storm on Facebook. I have a couple of, well, I have one of, soon a couple of Storm's books. And um, I'm friends with his two mates as well on Facebook. So I kind of got it as it came out and got to read it for that first glance as it went by. So what happened was this gentleman who lived in Maryland, was accusing Storm, who lives in San Francisco, of sexual misconduct. And he was doing it, as we found out, because he had started becoming involved in a fairy group in Maryland that wasn't approving of Storm's publishing of his books because he was giving away, not secrets, but knowledge in the books. This gentleman, who was Echo Pup Roberts, did recant his statements. What his statements were specifically were about initiation rites. And he said that Storm required when you complete an initiation for unprotected sex. To my knowledge. Mm-hmm. Now, there's also some things written that said Echo Pup was also offering students lessons and requiring that as part of their initiation as well. Storm's specific statement on it was that not only does that go against fairy tradition because it causes harm, it goes against what he as a gay man believes because it is definitely a unsafe practice. Right. That was pretty much the start of it. Um, again, Echo Pup did recant his statement in a very long Facebook post, which you can only find through a link through the Wild Hunts page. Mm. And it, again, the Wild Hunt page will also be part of the show notes for anybody to do their own research yeah. on. Um, this, is, this is actually the first I've heard of, uh, of this uh, situation. Yeah, it was actually pretty big. So the first time Storm really mentioned that this is what's going on, I would never do that, mostly because he was a victim of Gabriel Carlello, who was the founder of Blood Rose Fairy. Mm-hmm. I did not get to really look into what kind of uh, misconducts that he created, but... Obviously, it would have been something if Storm felt so comfortable to say, hey, this is what happened to me. Right. Uh, of course, Devin Hunter, who is his um, spouse, came out and said, yep, no, he would have never done that. He refused to teach me fairy when I started out because we were in a relationship. Chase, their other spouse, also said this is total false other people came out and also supported storm saying he would never have done this and then there was also a small faction of people who were like i have no um goodwill with storm and i can't agree and then there was also one person who was helping push this all around Mm -hmm. and that person also made a big apology and uh, was pretty honest about the fact that he was friends with echo pup on Facebook, Echo Pup even mentioned this person through his apology. Mm-hmm. Um, this person has been known to be a whistleblower in fairy tradition on people that cause abuses. And that's uh, Oberon Cunning. His first, or the first one I could find, a whistleblowing issue was with uh, Saber Benjamin Sangral. And I will use that name a couple of times because this is important. Oberon first met him through training with Teethorn Coil. Teethorn Quails also made her own statement about this problem. Oberon 
mentioned that when he first met this person, it was online. And he was friends with this person, who Benjamin, for about 10 plus years before meeting him in person. When he met him in person after becoming intoxicated and spending an evening being intoxicated, Benjamin made mention that when he had offspring, he intended to initiate them through sexual rights himself. Uh, Oberon was obviously uncomfortable by that. Yeah. (laughs) As everybody should be. Exactly. Um, And there was a couple of other things that were not okay. Oberon, being at the time about to become a father, was like, okay, no, this person's not who I thought this was. Mm -hmm. Um, Benjamin, at that time, was planning to move from Illinois to California, to San Francisco. And when he did so, he then became part of the reclaiming tradition in San Francisco. He became a teacher at a reclaiming teens camp. At one point after going to that camp, he invited Oberon over to his home and told him that he had met a specific teenager there that he was very interested in and had already set up a meeting with. This is called grooming. Yeah. Oberon then turned around and informed the reclaiming tradition. The reclaiming tradition obviously informed that teenager's parent. Benjamin never got to that teenager. Good. That teenager was safe. Benjamin Sangrell left reclaiming and started joining Ferry. At the time, he then became a father. And as the his partner was pregnant... Um, Oberon was like, okay, we're having some problems. I need to inform the fairy community because he was part of the fairy community. He's like, this guy is a predator. This guy is not good news. Mm -hmm. So he put a message out on the fairy community page. This is what I know. This is the facts of what I know. Be careful around this guy. And because of that, he also informed Benjamin's uh, midwife because it was the midwife that they him and his wife used and she then set up a meeting with Benjamin's partner and tried to inform her hey this is what this guy has promised to do to your child get him out of your life yeah it did not work she was under the impression through what Benjamin was telling her that fairy tradition was the ones that were interested in doing those things And um, it became a court case. They went to paternity court over it. And um, Benjamin uh, Segral lost custody of his child after right after birth because of his own way of acting at the birth. Mm -hmm. And sadly, the child was then returned to its mother and lasted two months before passing. Then... Benjamin Sangrell and his partner left California and went back to Illinois. He then became a photographer for a middle school. Okay, now that's 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 just that that's shocking. He was arrested and convicted of child pornography for taking images of underage males in the school restroom urinating. In Illinois, he was released in 2015 because natural urination is not considered pornography in Illinois. Be aware of this guy 
if you are in Illinois. Yeah. These are facts that you can prove through San Francisco and Illinois court cases of what he has done. These are not questionable. These are not things that I am accusing him of doing that I can be sued for. These are proven facts in courts of law. Yeah. He has done X, Y, and Z. Whether that is considered criminal or not is not up to me. I am not the justice system. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I do want to mention that isn't really attached to that case, but did happen, was certain members of the fairy tradition then released to the courts, not public transcripts and names of members of the fairy tradition. When you use your name in a group, be aware sometimes when these kind of things happen, you might be outed. Yeah. It is scary. It is a violation of your trust, but it might happen. So with that, I want to thank Oberon Cunning for his bravery and whistleblowing Benjamin Sangrella. Um, I also want to thank him for making a public apology to somebody he doesn't really like (laughs) as a person and stepping aside and saying, you know, I took somebody's word on faith and I spread this around and I'm sorry for what it did to you. Because of a lot of what was said about Storm, he lost some business, obviously. Yeah. Him and his spouses own a store. He's a published author. You can lose business. Your whole reputation can be destroyed for a false accusation. But at the same time, Jessica Matthews deserves her reputation to be tarnished. Yeah. Even if all she did was emotional abuse, she doesn't deserve to be a teacher anymore. So another recent one, I kind of forgot was this recent because he was originally found with the illegal activity in 2015. Uh, Kenny Kennel was sentenced just in April to 12 years of prison for convicted child pornography, specifically one count of pornography involving a juvenile under 13 and 19 counts of pornography with the intent to distribute of any child under the age of 17. Kenny Clent was a folk musician, published author, and an elder in the Blue Star tradition of Wicca took two years to finally convict him but took three days of trial so kind of a victory kind of yeah (laughs) slight victory well you know sometimes it's the it's the small victories that lead to the bigger ones well if he had 19 counts of um intent to distribute then maybe he knows how he got them and can call out the bigger rings yep little fish big fish let's just get them all yeah So a more historical note is Gavin and Yvonne Frost. Now I'm going to tread a little lightly because Gavin has already passed away. So slight respect to the dead. Mm -hmm. And Yvonne is still among us and still threatening to sue anybody who disparages their credibility. Gavin and Yvonne were the founders of the Church and School of Wicca, which started in 1969. They are authors of the Witch's Bible, which was republished into the Good Witch's Bible. And the reason why we're talking about them is they have an initiation rite that encourages, well, pedophilia and incest. Yeah, no. (laughs) Right. So let's start with Gavin and Yvonne had 
in the 60s and on stated a lot of homophobic rants and such, saying that anybody of LGBT does not belong in Wicca. So going back to that specifically, we obviously don't agree. Yeah, no, not at all. Um, I could see when you have traditional Wicca in that sense that maybe that would be your feelings. Uh, Gavin and Yvonne also both disagree that uh, Gerald Gardner was the founder of Wicca and that Raymond Buckland brought it over to America. They say they're the founders. So they're taking the credit. Yes. Okay. And telling every historian that they're wrong. So this initiation rite. It is republished in the Good Witch's Bible, 1999. And some of the wording is specifically, physical attributes of reproduction are present, meaning that's how you determine when this initiation rite should start. Mm -hmm. Physical attributes of reproduction are present. So pretty much menstrual cycle. Yes. Or other male aspects. Yes. What age were you when you started puberty? Uh, 13. I was 11. Yeah. That is a child. That is. So, once these attributes are visible, the child is given a sponsor. Usually the sponsor is somebody who is new to the coven. That's even scarier. Yeah. Or... Well, newest person of the opposite sex to the coven. Let, let's highlight, again, their homophobia. Yeah. Unless that person is of, of an extreme age different to the child or physically extremely different. Like mm-hmm. an extremely large male with a very tiny 12-year-old. Yeah. So when this starts, the female is given two, they say, sacred phalluses. Let's be honest. Dildos. Mm-hmm. An 11-year-old is given two dildos to practice with for a month to prepare their muscles for actual sex. Yes. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's very uh, disconcerting. Yeah. And then they are supposed to be initiated after a week of only eating bread, honey, and water. So now they're starving. And then given a whole glass of mead. And drunk. And disrobed. And disrobed. And then removed from the circle with their sponsor to have sex. Oh, I'm sorry. That's, that's, that's heavy. Yeah. Gavin and Yvonne have been constantly questioned about this, saying, hey, what the hell? Let's just be honest. What the hell? And they'll either say things like, well, it was never intended to be actually done. In one statement, uh, Gavin has said, well, that was how it used to work in the Church of Wicca, which means you've done it before with children. It's still in publication today. Other times that they've been asked, they will turn around and say, well, a man can't bathe his own children without being considered a sexual predator. So really, it's a lot of just deflection going on. Mm -hmm. With that, let's kind of talk about why sexual abuse is so easily seen in paganism obviously we've seen it in other religions yeah one of the reasons i think that we can see these lines being crossed or these lines being hazy or teachers using their ability to request or elicit sex from students 
is because we are a fertility religion, essentially. If you look at it down deep, we talk about sex and sexual things a lot in our religion. Mm-hmm. The maypole. <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty much the, the, the dance around the prelude to sex. <laughs> the great right. Yeah. So I believe that's one of the reasons why we get this, is that... We're seeing a lot of it in the religion already, and teachers just take it maybe an inch too far. Maybe they don't realize that they're taking an inch too far. Uh, An an account that I read from a very prominent name was that her teacher, her first teacher, would have sex with multiple students. And she believes it's because he didn't believe he was lovable, that the student had the power, not the teacher. The teacher always has the power. We know yeah. this in normal K through 12 school. This is why professors can't have relationships with students. It's the same with mystery religions. Mm-hmm. But we also have a lot of sexual connotation in our religions. So I think that's one of the reasons. And that that's, yeah, I mean, the, it is something that could be misconstrued mm-hmm. in in the outer world i guess is the best way to put it mm-hmm. um but i mean that there's th- there's still rules and regulations that we follow when it comes to when it comes to the act mm-hmm. you know and th- that's just one of those things where i mean with, with with the last ones that you were talking about with the with frosts that with a, with a child yes not 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 a kid a child mm-hmm. no I don't see, I mean, at least in, in our community, I don't I don't see anybody even wanting to do that type of thing. And I don't think that it goes, it goes on as much as I might have made it sound. I think a lot of what we're seeing, as we already described, is adults mm-hmm. and uh, adults having issues with those boundaries. Right. Um, that's why I ended with this one, is that it's the, the scariest and the strangest um, I haven't read a whole lot about kids. Me mm-hmm. personally, all of the time that I've read anything about somebody who was under 18 trying to be involved, parent consent and parent involvement was a constant. Right. Obviously, it was with the reclaiming group in San Francisco because they had the parent's number to automatically call and say, hey, don't let your kid out. Yeah. Talk to your kid about this person. I would hope that any teacher out there has that same idea uh my book club i refuse anybody under the age of 18 to come without parent consent and parent consent has to be me talking to the parent yeah i don't allow just a written form because i don't know who you are i don't know your parents i need to let them know we are talking about a religion we are talking about witchcraft Mm -hmm. and if they are under 16 they're not allowed at all now if their parent is already here if i know their parent personally there's a little bit of a blur. We had a 15-year-old, but her parent is a coven member. Right. That's completely different. I know her mom very well. If I didn't know her parent so closely, I wouldn't have allowed her to sit in. So I hope anybody aspiring to be a teacher listening agrees with that. Nobody too young. I mean, again, we're talking about some very sexual content. A 15-year-old's going to giggle when you say phallus. Mm-hmm. It's just nature. Well, I mean, a 30, almost 33-year-old is giggling when you say phallus. Phallus. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, I have to bring the immaturity level down a little bit. And this is why I didn't teach you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. 
But that's another thing. If you're already in a relationship with somebody, don't offer to teach them from the basic ground up. I'm sorry. I yeah. uh, It's a boundary for me in any future or past relationships. And if you have had a sexual relationship with someone in the past, you're probably going to have problems teaching them in the future. Yeah. They can be interested. You can lead them down the correct way or the way that you think is correct, but you shouldn't be their teacher. Yeah, no, and I, I, I completely agree with that as well. Mm-hmm. It's um, because you're, you're not just dealing with a just a student teacher aspect it's there's a physicality to it there's a a a mental thing that happens when people have been in a relationship right that it creates roadblocks and speed bumps when it comes to comes to learning and the teaching i agree there's certain respects you have to give a teacher that you might not be able to if you're already in a relationship like that and there's certain respects that a student is going to need for nurturing that maybe somebody who's already slept with them can't give for even if, I mean, you know, little things about your spouse that you don't like or your mate that you don't particularly like, or that you don't think you don't think they're as respectful of certain things. And that that's going to annoy you and it's yeah. going to put up and it's going to make both relationships hard. Yeah. So I advise strongly against that. Mm-hmm. No, and that's, that's definitely something that I, I, completely agree with you on so if you are looking for a teacher some things you should look out for obviously we already discussed don't let them take credit for your hard work Mm -hmm. anybody who's going to take credit for any of your hard work it should be the gods and you yeah and if that's not how they're looking at it bye (laughs) yeah that that's that's not a teacher that's somebody who is essentially a facilitator and and wants to take credit for everything that Mm -hmm. you do. There is one thing I want to say. A lot of the older books will say, don't take on a teacher who is charging. Sorry, it's 2018 and everybody has bills. Mm -hmm. You're going to get classes that charge. You're going to find teachers that charge specific rates. Now, it shouldn't be unfeasible. Also, I haven't met a single person who wasn't willing to move that based on your need. Mm-hmm. I have had people who do weekend getaways up in Sedona where food and board is paid for. And if you can't pay this amount of money, let me know. Yeah, That is big to me when you're hosting it someplace far away and it's going to be an expense and you saying, Let's talk about it. Yeah, that's that's another another big thing with communication right there. Right. Yeah. But you will see people charging. And like I said, it should not be astronomical. It should not be um, definitely not sex, obviously. Mm-hmm. I've heard some stories where it's like, oh, well, you have to do a sexual favor for me because I'm doing this. It also shouldn't be spells. Your teachers shouldn't be requiring you to do spells for them for your education. It also shouldn't be any service that they should pay for normally. Mm. Do not wash your teacher's car. Do not bring in their groceries unless you're just being nice. (laughs) Yeah. Do not do services like wash their carpets. Granted, if you're a carpet washer and you can't pay their fee and they're like, well, wash my carpets once a month, that's your bargaining. Bargaining happens in the pagan world. But you, if that's not your service that you're willing to give, yeah, don't, don't do don't it. Give it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, that's something I mean, I, I have heard of people, you know, doing doing trades for stuff like mm-hmm. that. It's 
it's great to be able to to have that in the community. I mean, there's people, there's things that are pe- that people are a lot better at than some people than some other people, and if they're willing to put forth the effort with something they're already good at, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean that that can be used as a form of payment as long as it's under a mutual agreement. Yep, I agree. Uh, some things for teachers mm-hmm. to consider is obviously if you're on a power trip don't do it yeah um another big one is if you can't take criticism another one is don't expect your students to become your family Mm -hmm. if you are coven mates then that's different be friends have some sort of familial like connection to that person but they're not your sister brother cousin when they're your teacher they're your teacher yeah um a great resource for teachers is i have a book here that was given to me i have not had the chance to read it so i will caveat at that but it was given to me by somebody i definitely respect who's a british traditional uh priest and it's the witch's coven by eden mccoy finding or forming your own circle if you are raising children in the pagan world Starhawk wrote a book called Circle Round. It might be a bit dated. I have not gotten to actually read it cover to cover, but it is a good resource for parents if you want to start a slow and healthy build into paganism. Mm-hmm. As a student, give us some advice. I mean, uh, honestly, for me, don't expect too much from your students. You know, they're 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 learning. They're still new to it. I mean, I know mm-hmm. I've I've heard of and have seen people expecting great and grandiose things from a student that they've only been teaching a week true you know there there's there's something to be said you know when it comes to to learning i mean it's like learning how to ride a bicycle or learning how to play the piano baby steps also if you got into paganism just to become a teacher i know there's Mm -hmm. something really mystical and awesome about being a pagan teacher a lot of us aspire to be full-time witches someday Mm -hmm. myself included (laughs) but i never expected to be like a one-on-one teacher in fact i despise the idea of being a one-on-one teacher to the point where i was offering a course and i literally said if there's not three people in this course a month ahead of time when i'm supposed to start it i will not teach it And I had one person who um, sent me a message and what she was hoping to get out of this very basic introduction Wicca course, I was a little afraid Mm -hmm. of and was like, okay, I will teach you one-on-one because, oh my goodness, we we need to start in the basics if that's your aspiration. Right. You got to, you got to learn how to move a grain of sand before you can move a mountain. Yes. And 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 here here's a little little uh, little word of of advice to any any teacher. Read your student, because if you try to teach them a specific way, and it's not working for them, you should be able to see that. You should be able to to try to accommodate mm-hmm. for the student and their their specific learning patterns and consistency. Yes, um, I've had it uh, pretty good with my coven I came in they had an established set of books and time frames and then I had another teacher who was like oh do this oh do that oh do this um maybe we should work on this and it's like do you 
I understand when you're a beginner, because obviously I would have been a beginner. You don't really know what you want to really accomplish, mm-hmm. but don't throw them in, under two different buses at once. Yeah, that's something that can um, that can greatly hinder uh, hinder somebody's learning. And that's the same with students. Don't um, ask three million different questions for three million different types of magic or three different things um have a goal yeah and stick with it if you're at level one don't ask a level three question or if you don't know it's a level three question but you don't feel satisfied with the answer realize that's probably why and i mean i for me one of the big things is be patient Mm -hmm. you know there's there's a lot of a lot of students out there that you know maybe they're not a hundred percent sure of why or what they want to learn but if halfway through the class they just say i i i can't i i i don't think i can i can continue with this be patient with them maybe they'll get it maybe they won't and if people back out that's fine a spiritual path is just that it's a path it's not always going to be destination a destination b i think i've frustrated um plenty of friends and uh Copagans by how slow I'm taking mine because I realize this is a lifelong journey and they're like but um initiate but um start a coven but but um um, I'm like I I, I'm gonna stick over here in the 102 books yeah (laughs) and that's and that's perfectly fine you know you could you could be a lifelong you know lifelong pagan Mm -hmm. and never teach a class or you could be a fairy initiate for five years, teaching, training, and then suddenly Judaism looks really fancy right now. Mm-hmm. I'm going to learn about that. Religion and spirituality, especially for pagans, is so fluid. Yeah, it it's all going to it, it's going to take you places that you've never been before, and a place that you never thought you were going to go, and you might not stay there, or you might set up camp. And don't get mad at teachers for doing that. If your teacher changes their mind, that doesn't minimize what you've learned from them. Another recent issue with teachers, Doreen Virtue decided to walk a Christian path. And whereas a lot of people were like, good for her, her major upset was that she turned around. She's an author. She's published a lot of angel oracle cards and different oracle decks. And she said that all of that's of the devil. I don't want anything to do with it. I recant and take back everything I've ever done for the pagan community. And then she had on YouTube a very, well, creepy video of her and her new priest and her um, priest's wife in a house in Honolulu. A lot of people, I had some of my friends say that she looked possessed and some of my friends say that she looked doped out of her mind. I'm going to have to look at this video. It's scary. Yeah. Um, I was worried about her mental health personally. I was wondering what had happened, but I, I also don't, didn't know her ahead of time, had no affiliation with her other than hearing the name. Um, I, personally don't speak with or do anything with angels and i'm a little weary of people who do Mm -hmm. so that was kind of watching that video was a little disgusting because of the way that she turned around and belittled the pagan community a community that made her a millionaire let's just be honest yeah and yeah it was 
kind of terrifying. Mm-hmm. It was a little worrying if they were going to start a witch hunt. I mean, Scott Cunningham's group was in Hawaii. I'm a little worried about our Hawaiian friends yeah. with her there. Well, obviously that and we have to um, throw a Cheeto in a um, volcano to quiet a volcano goddess. That, w- that would actually be kind of nice. And right. Yeah. I, I, I was amused by those. Yes. <laughs> Let's throw the orange Cheeto in and see if it appeases the goddess. <laughs> I, I do have to say, and, and this is just something just because you did bring up Hawaii, um, mm-hmm. just to anybody who is listening out there, be safe, you know, just be careful. And, you know, we're 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 shooting out the vibes. We're doing what we can for you. We're thinking about you. Yeah. And we also respect those who believe it is the anger of Pele. 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 Um, that's another that that's a research thing guys Mm -hmm. go figure out who Pele is and why we're talking about her I mean I heard about her before this all happened so she's out there in the sphere yeah um but it's it's just something that it's disasters like that that really bring communities closer together but it's a not always for a good reason right you know and but I I I just want to say at least personally um I'm thinking about every every person and every every creature that's being affected by this because mm-hmm. this is this is something big and the fact that it still has not stopped it's scary is is very scary especially after i just um went to the arizona science center had a exhibit on pompeii mm-hmm. and after being at pompeii and then re-seeing some of these artifacts how damaging an eruption can be it took 48 hours for the entirety of history to lose Pompeii, a yeah. giant seaport. So, I mean. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's crazy. Yep. Yes. I will say this, though. It, it has ended, so I'm sorry to spoil the exhibit for everyone. There was a um, the beginning of the actual exhibit. Mm-hmm. You walk in and you see a lot of these artifacts that look very pristine, very cool that they've dug out of Pompeii. Um, Everything is clean, nice images and shows, little videos on how certain things were built, how certain things were done. And then you walk into this video room and you sit down and it's literally a time lapse and it's gorgeous quality, almost um, Assassin's Creed level graphics. It's Mm -hmm gorgeous with smoke and thunder and and lightning going on in the room of from that morning on and you walk in first you see quotations about how there was small earthquakes happening in the few days beforehand that were written down and then you see a plume of smoke come out of Vesuvius and just the slow arc of how it goes from a little earthquake to a bigger earthquake to this plume keeps getting closer and closer and it looks almost like rain but it's ash mm-hmm. and then the next one is all the ashes really heavy coming down certain buildings are on fire that you were looking at the plume is coming closer then the ash stops falling like snow and the rocks stop falling and the plume is right there right at the edge of the city and everything's already caught on fire and burnt and things have already fallen. And then this plume just comes and then it comes to the next morning and you can't see any of the buildings. Oh, wow. 
because of how much ash had fallen. That's why we lost it, because the river that was used to access Pompeii was then filled. The entire town was covered. To this day, parts of the actual city of Pompeii are resting under a resort because Mm -hmm. people didn't know what was there. And then you walk in, you see the actual um, casts Mm -hmm. and how they found bodies was they knew there was biological material there at one point, but a lot of it had dissolved and hardened around the ash. So they poured cast in. Yeah, like resin molding Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And so then they could carve it away and they saw what the person was. And there was two casts specifically, the actual ones that the archaeologists got at this exhibit that I saw in Pompeii when I was there. They were behind wrought iron and plexiglass at the Arizona Science Center. They were just on tables. And I was just like, those are actual pieces of history (laughs) and I could touch them, but it says don't. (laughs) So I behaved. Thank you for respecting the sign. Yes. I'm a sign respecter. It's half of my job. That that is true. That is true. (laughs) So I think we've We've hashed it out, gotten yeah. it all out, a little bit of volcano knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, like, like like we said before, we know this this episode was a little a uh, little bit on the heavy side. Um, for anybody who, yeah, we did trigger, we're sorry. But Let us know if you've experienced anything yeah. and you want to talk to us, come out and give us a little bit more information. Uh, let us know if we need to be a little bit more respectful. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm very desensitized yeah and i mean i'm I'm desensitized too but that's just because of who i am mm-hmm. um but uh for for anybody out there you know if, if you guys do want to share your opinions if you do want to share your stories with us if you do if you guys just want to leave a comment feel free to do so we we're here we're listening we we do want to read what you guys are are thinking what you guys want to say to us um so feel free to to shoot us a message on facebook or uh, any of our social medias or even just sh- leave us a leave us a message uh, on our uh, on our Facebook page. Yep, this is a discussion. So yeah. anyway, events that are coming up. Yes. Tonight is the full moon, which means everyone's going to be listening to this and going yesterday was the full moon, guys. Come on. <laughs> or more days. Yeah. The 2nd of June is going to be the next volunteer meeting for Arizona or Phoenix. Pagan Pride. Mm-hmm. You can find that on Pagan Pride's Facebook. So it would be Phoenix Pagan Pride. And like I said, the second is for volunteers. The fifth is the next meeting of Book Talk Phoenix Valley at Changing Hands Bookstore in Tempe. And that's about it for current events. Mm-hmm. So our Patreon thank yous. We want to give a huge thank you to Leandra. Yes, thank you, Leandra, for supporting us. And all of your likes, everyone else, please like, give us, drop us a hint, and please do join us on Patreon. Any little bit helps, most definitely, especially now that we're trying to gear up and get ready for Pagan Pride. Yes. Um, we also have some really great incentives. Yeah, of course, for uh, for everybody who uh, does donate, even if it's just a dollar, a uh, dollar a month to our Patreon course you get a big thank you from us mm-hmm. uh for anybody who donates five dollars or more you do get a special uh patreon exclusive mini sewed 
which we will be recording again here shortly yes. for uh, for the next month. So make sure you guys keep uh, keep your eyes and ears out for that. And uh, we really haven't gone any, anywhere above that yet. No, not really. Not we might start looking into it. Mm-hmm. But I think I think five a month is extremely generous yes. in, my, in my book. So. Yeah. And, and also, there is also another way you guys can also help support us. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will be uh, posting a link to our uh, Amazon wish list. Uh, we have a couple of things on there that we're looking at getting for uh, for Pagan Pride, specifically a canopy tent right. and a couple of weights to keep that down. Uh, and, of course, uh, currently we only have uh, two and a half microphones. Um, but, uh, we are looking to hopefully get some more, uh, I do have a, a couple of really nice ones on there. Not, not all that expensive, but just a small donation will help us get those. Uh, and of course, one of the big items that we're looking to get is a, uh, an audio recorder, uh, for when we're on the go. So we don't have to lug around too much, uh, too much equipment, uh, just something that we can literally sit down and, uh, if we're at a at an event, we can have mm. an interview with somebody uh, just right on there, right on the, the little handheld recorder uh, that we can also use to record our big shows on as well. And we're hoping eventually to start looking into advertising materials because once we do get out to Pagan Pride, we do want a nice banner so people know who we are. Mm-hmm. And of course, handouts and some cards would be lovely. If you know of a company that's Pagan Run in the Phoenix area or even not that's willing to help us out with that, please let us know as well. Um, and we're hoping if we're lucky enough, we might get all this stuff out early so that we can go to an event in October. But I have not gotten the details on that yet. So Ooh. spoilers, if you help us out early, you might see us sooner. I like that. If you are listening only through links that you find on Facebook and Twitter, please note that we are on Podbean, iTunes, and SoundCloud. You can drop us a like, subscribe on any of those three, Podbean, iTunes, and SoundCloud. And we're actually just one episode away from getting on Spotify as well. Ooh, Spotify. Yeah. You can find the pod on Patreon, Twitter, Facebook, and through our email, Patreon, Twitter, and Facebook, obviously our Millennial Pagan Podcast or Millennial Pagan Pod. The email is millennialpaganpod at gmail.com. You can find me, Autumn Wolf, on Facebook at Autumn Wolf with an E on the end of Wolf, Twitter at Autumn Iron Wolf with no E, and WordPress, which is my blog, which is Iron Wolf Circle. You could also look through Autumn Wolf with an E on the end to get that. And I believe somebody, just drumroll please, got himself a new Twitter. That's like number four on my Twitter accounts. Uh, yeah, I don't know how you do that. I know. It, it, it's pretty simple once you have the right app for yeah. it. Ding. But uh, if you guys do want to follow me on there, I haven't really uh, set it up too much right now. It's just uh, kind of something in the works. But you can go ahead and look me up on there at Jera Stone, J-E-R-A-S-T-O-N-E. All one word. Well, Mary Meet. Mary Part. And Mary Meet again. again.